This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. It's Zoomer Radio's Theater of the Mind with Frank Proctor. Open your mind as we fill your head with amazing thrills, chills, <laughs> and laughs. Theater of the Mind, the best love programs from radio's golden age, only on Zoomer Radio. Now, here is your master storyteller, Frank Proctor. Well, thank you, and welcome to the show. Tonight, another visit with Richard Diamond, Private Detective, an American detective drama created by Blake Edwards, which aired on radio from 1949 through to 1953. Dick Powell starred in the series as a wisecracking former police officer turned private detective. Episodes typically open with a client visiting or calling cash-strapped Diamond's office and agreeing to his fee of $100 a day plus expenses. Diamond offered, suffered blows to the head in his sleuthing pursuits. Most episodes end with Diamond at the piano singing a standard popular song or show tune from Powell's repertoire to his girlfriend Helen Asher in her penthouse at 975 Park Avenue. Many of the shows were either written or directed by Edwards. Its theme, Leave it to Love, was whistled by Powell at the beginning of each episode. And here's tonight's presentation entitled... Charlie Walsh wants to kill Richard. As Richard Diamond, private detective. Hello there, this is Diamond. I have a little office on Broadway at 53rd Street. And if you happen to be in the neighborhood sometime, you might notice a sign on the door. It reads Diamond Detective Agency. Yeah, that's how I make a living, such as it is. I sit at my desk behind that door and wait for someone to come in and hire me. Eventually, trouble works its way into someone's life and gives him a shove in my direction. He tells me about it, and I listen with the attitude of a father confessor. When he's done, I dry my eyes and tell him what I think. What I think really doesn't matter, because it's just a shortcut to $100 a day in expenses. Sure, you can hire a guy for less money, but when I work, it's for a price I figure I'm worth. It's got to be that way because sometimes it works a little dirty and I have to swallow a lot of pride. I get mixed up in everything from simple divorce to muscle-bound homicide and when trouble can't find me a client, it starts working on yours truly and I wind up in a corner. I guess trouble figured I was just about due for a squeeze play because one night last week, two lifers in the state pen started working me into their plans. What about it, Walsh? Shut up. Wait until the guards pass. 
Okay. Drag out the cards like we was playing. Sure. Is it uh, set for the night? Yeah. I got the car and everything. Yeah. We'll head for Florida and get across to Cuba. Oh, well, I'd be glad to get out of this stir. Three lousy years. Yeah, I got eight behind me. I used every minute figuring how I'm going to take care of a guy. Oh, Walsh, you're not going to start that again. Forget it. Be glad you're getting out. You knock off that guy and you'll never make it to Cuba. Now, look. I figured this whole thing out. I paid out a lot of dough just to make it come off. And when it does, I'm going to kill an ex-cop. And you're going to help me. Me? Yeah. Unless you want to rot here. Oh, you're out of your mind. If this break comes off, it'll be the neatest trick in years. And you want to louse it up by knocking off some guy on the outside? You can stay here and rot if you want to. The only way I take you along is you help me to get a guy named Diamond. Yeah, but you waste a lot of time in New York. They'll have the roads covered by then. Look, just because this Diamond guy knocked off your brother in that bank job... You see, you, you bust out of here, it's on my terms. I... Now make up your mind, it's getting late. Okay, give me the layup. Yeah, what is it, Otis? We just got a call, Lieutenant. Two prisoners busted out of Sing Sing, killed two guards. Who are they? Big time. Bob Wells and Charles Walsh. Charles Walsh? Yeah, life. I know, I know. Diamond helped send him up before I took over this department. Otis, get Diamond on the phone. Diamond? Yeah, Diamond. Who'd you think I meant? Little Red Riding Hood? Yeah, yeah Lieutenant. Mm. Oh, Diamond, Otis. Bring me my bicarbonate, Otis. Someday I'm going to get good and sore. What did you say? Uh, nothing. Nuts. Now, what's the matter? His office don't answer. Give me that phone. Eh? We've got to find him before Walsh does. Maybe he's over at Helen Asher's house. All right, Otis, stop standing on one foot. You can leave. Miss Asher's residence. Hello, Francis. This is Lieutenant Levinson. Is Diamond there? Why, no, sir, but Miss Asher expects him. Oh, oh, wait a moment, sir. Here's Miss Asher. It's Lieutenant Levinson for Mr. Diamond, Miss Helen. Oh, thank you, Francis. Hello, Walt. How are you, Helen? I was looking for Rick. Oh, I was just talking to him. He should be here in about 20 minutes. Why? Uh, will you have him call me right away? Something wrong? Oh, no, no. Just tell him... Tell him an old friend of his is in town, and I have to talk to him about it. Oh, all right, Walt. I'll tell him. Oh, thanks, Helen. It'll be at least 20 minutes. He's walking over from his office. Okay, Diamond, hold it right there. Start walking over to that sedan. Don't you know it's not polite to point? Look, laughing boy, I got a big gun in my pocket. Well, I'm proud of you. I thought it was a crossbow. Get moving. Okay. I'd never seen him before. He was a tall guy with a scar in his chin. He walked me over to the sedan and opened the door. He moved in close and shook me down. He relieved me of my 38 and motioned me into the front seat. I slid in and he started to follow, so I kept one leg out in front of me and kicked him in the face. I couldn't get enough leverage to cool him, but it gave me enough time to get out the other door and start making like a miler. I looked over my shoulder and saw him climb out holding a bloody nose. I knew he wouldn't take a shot unless he got close enough to make it count, so when he started after me, I ducked into the subway. I found a dime and went through the turnstile. 
train was getting ready to pull out, so I pushed my way on just as the Garnet came down the stairs. He said he wasn't happy to see me go. He didn't even wave goodbye. Wait a minute, you! Wait! Oh, nuts. No. Yeah, you and your swell ideas. What's the matter? I waited for Diamond outside his office like you said. I started to hustle him in the car and he kicked me in the face. Oh. I think my nose is you broken. You stupid. I told you to be careful. Yeah, sure you did. You think I like getting booted in the nose? Look, if you want Diamond so much, you get him yourself. Maybe you can tell me how you're going to get to Cuba without me? Huh? Oh. Well, what do you want me to do now? I still want Diamond. Yeah, but he jumped the subway train. How am I supposed to find her? I found out he's got a dame over on Park Avenue. Pick her up, bring her over here. Pick her up? I'd give you the chair for kidnapping. I'll use her to get Diamond. Pick her up if you want to get out of the country. Yeah, but a no, snitch. Look, I busted you out of store. I can bust you right back in. Oh. I'll pick her up. Her name is Helen Asher. She lives at 975 Park. Well, what if someone else is there? What if there is? You want me to stop over making a fourth for bridge? Get him out of the way and bring the dame to me. Hello, Otis. Well, Diamond. Lieutenant's been looking all over the city for you. I bet you've been a nervous wreck. I wouldn't care if you fell off the George Washington Bridge, Shamus. Why, Otis? And after all, we've been to each other. Uh, nuts. You better go on in and see the lieutenant. Sure. Hey, uh, Sergeant. Yeah? When are you going to get some new shoes? If yours turn up any more in front, you'll have to ski to work. Uh, Hello, Walt. Rick, we've been looking all over for you. Why don't you cops get on the job? It's getting so it isn't safe for a citizen to walk the streets at high noon. What are you yakking about? Well, I leave my office to go to see Helen and some goon tries to hold me up. Well, you're lucky you didn't get it right then. Do you know who busted out of jail last night? Go on, scare me. Charles Walsh. He swore if he ever did bust out, he'd get you. Well, that explains something. Why, what happened? This character tries to hustle me into a car, so I shoved my foot in his face and beat it into a subway. But it wasn't Walsh. Might have been Bob Wells. He busted out with him. I can tell you in a minute. Got a file on him? Sure. Otis, bring in the file on Bob Wells. Right away, Lieutenant. Oh, Walt, do you mind if I use your phone? Now, go ahead. I better call Helen. Tell her I'm going to be a little late. Well, I just talked to her and asked her to have you call. Where is everybody? Yes? Francis? Oh, Mr. Diamond. Please hurry over here. Something's happened to Miss Asher. What are you talking about? Miss Asher's been kidnapped. What? Yes, sir. A man came in and made Miss Asher go down to his car at the point of a gun. He also hit me over the head. Was he a tall man with a scar on his chin? Yes, sir. That's right. We'll be right over. Walt, I think the guy that tried to push me around has kidnapped Helen. Oh, no. He pulled a gun on her and slugged Francis. We better get over there. Now, if Charles Walsh is loose and he's trying to get me, then snatching Helen is a sure way to get me to come around. Hey, uh, where's that file on Bob Wells? Wait a minute. Otis. Yeah, Lieutenant. Haven't you got that file on Wells yet? Yes, sir. I was just bringing it in. Well, step on it. Otis is bringing it in. Here you are, Lieutenant. Let me see it. Hey, now, wait a minute. Oh, shut up, Otis. This is the guy, all right. He's the one who tried to pick me up. Uh, uh, may I take one of these pictures, Walt? Sure, but what are you going to do? I'll see if I can find him. You go on over and talk to Francis. See if this is the same guy who took Helen. 
I'm going to go down to Skid Row and talk to a wise old owl who knows about things like this. I got out of the 5th Precinct in a hurry and grabbed a cab for Skid Row. I knew an old deadbeat down there who had a line on every crook in the underworld. And there was just a chance he could tell me where Bob Wells was hiding out. His name was Wilbur Truitt, and he hung out in a shabby dive called the Parrot. Hello, Wilbur. What? Yeah. You at the piano strike up a chorus of my buddy, for the wandering boy has returned. Look, Wilbur... I, I would rise and bow from the waist as befits the occasion, but I fear that some sterno I accidentally came in contact with has rusted my spine, and I am forced to remain in a sitting position. I haven't got time to listen to the routine, Wilbur. I, I'm looking for someone. Here, take a look at this picture. Ever see this guy? Unless I have my morning constitutional buck... I can bring nothing into focus but a large bottle and a straw. Oh, oh waiter. Waiter, uh, give me a bottle. You have arrived in the nick of time. I get that wonderful warm glow when you ask for a whole bottle. A snap comparison would be that of a happy mother smiling blissfully at a nursing babe. Okay, Wilbur, now tell me, do uh, uh, you know this man? One sip of strength and I shall have the eyes of a carrot-stuffed feline. Now, now, yes, I can see the gentleman clearly. In fact, my vision has so greatly improved it begins to take on the functions of an X-ray. For instance, I can readily perceive that the man in question is addicted to false stimulants, and his low brow and squinty eyes tell me that he is indeed a person of some doubtful character. You're looking in the mirror. Yeah? No, here, here's this picture. Oh, yeah. Hmm. Mr. Bobby Wells. The description is flexible. Know where I can find him? Up until yesterday, he was residing at an institution upstate. Sing Sing, I believe. It is very possible that he is hiding out at one of his old haunts on 23rd Street, but uh, I couldn't say for sure. Oh, why not? Uh, this bottle you purchased entitles you to one of my best Yes, To be absolutely accurate, I would need further inducement. It's the risk, bucko. Uh, bring me another jug, bartender. Ah, bless you. Try looking in a rooming house at 533 West 23rd Street. Now, if you don't mind, I shall forget the necessity for long conversations and begin to concentrate on the work ahead of me. Goodbye, Bucko, and stop in again. Say tomorrow morning if you wake up feeling charitable. I left Wilbur trying to figure the best way to parlay the two bottles and headed for the address he'd given me. It was a typical apartment house of the district. A four-story building with a high premium insurance policy. I asked the landlady if a Bob Wells lived there, and she told me a man answering his description had taken a room there that morning. She told me he'd gone out a few minutes before and she let me into his room. I told her to keep a lookout and warn me if he showed. Then I started looking. I tore the place apart, but I didn't come up with a thing. I spotted the phone and started to call Walt, and that's when I saw it. A pad lying by the base of the phone with a heavy imprint left from the writing on the top sheet. I pulled an old trick. I took a pencil and rubbed the lead lightly over the imprint... And up came one telephone number. I dialed it and waited. 
Sandberg's Delicatessen. Oh, uh, is Bob Wells there? Oh? Bob Wells. Never heard of him. Thanks. Well, it's like that. One minute you think you've got a lead hot enough to melt your change purse, and the next you find yourself looking like a tree surgeon in Death Valley. But in my business, it takes a conventional three to strike you out. So I found the address of the delicatessen, and 15 minutes later, I was standing between a smoked herring and a three-foot salami talking with Mr. Weinberg. What can I do for you, sir? Oh, uh, I talked with you, oh, say, 20 minutes ago about a Mr. Bob Wells. Bob Wells? Oh, yes. Never heard of him. Uh, take a look at this picture. Maybe you know the face and not the name. It's familiar. Yes, I think I've seen him somewhere. Think hard now. This is important. Are you a policeman? Detective. Oh. How about it? Oh, yeah, yeah. As long as you're a cop, sure, I remember him. He came to my store last night. I remember because I had already closed and he kept pounding on the door. Finally, I let him in. He was very rude. He bought a lot of groceries, but very rude. Have you seen him again? Sure, he came in this morning about locks and bagels. Stell Road. Mm. Where's your phone? In the back. Has uh, this Mr. Wells done something? He left Sing Sing without saying goodbye to the warden. Ah. <laughs> now, look, uh, I'm going in the back and use your phone. If Wells happens to come in while I'm back there, stall him and come back and tip me off. I'll do my best. But he better not be rude. Hey, Walt, I'm in a delicatessen over on 24th Street. Yeah, Rick. I traced Wells this far, found out he's been buying food here, probably for Walsh. You think Walsh is hiding somewhere in the neighborhood? Yeah, yeah, that's my guess. They probably took separate places so they could move in a hurry if one hideout got hot. I'll be over there right away. Good. Comfortable, honey, but no yelling, or I'll have to stuff up that pretty mouth. I don't understand this. Why did you kidnap me? I've been having a hard time getting in touch with your boyfriend, Diamond. Figure if his girl's in trouble, he'll come looking. I, I don't have a boyfriend. <laughs> sure, sure, play it straight. But you watch. Tonight I call your butler and tell him we got you. If Diamond wants you alive, he comes to a spot I got picked up. And he comes along. I don't know any diamond. Ain't she cute, Bobby? Yeah, cute. Want me to fix her so she forgets how to lie? No, I don't care if she claims diamonds are uncle. <laughs> Go on down to Delicatessen and get some food. I'm getting hungry. Okay. But I still think we ought to be getting out of town. In one hour, I call this dame's house. At 12 o'clock, I meet Diamond in the park. Then we get out. Why do you want to see uh, this diamond? Oh, we're old friends, baby. He sent me up for life, and he shot my kid brother full of holes. I just want to see that Diamond gets everything that's coming to him. You talk too much. You've got some bad habits yourself. Now get that food. And if you're too lazy to walk downstairs, I'll show you a shortcut. Uh, Three floors, straight down. You can jump for it. Okay, okay. Good evening, gentlemen. What can Weinberg do for you? Hey, Lieutenant, that chopped liver sure looks good. Keep your fat hooks off of that, Otis. Walt. Oh, yeah, Rick. Back here. All right. The storekeeper is watching out for Wells. If he shows, he'll come back here in Tempest. I parked the squad car two blocks over. I didn't want Wells or Walsh to think something was up. Where's Otis? Otis! I'll be right with you, Lieutenant. I'm just buying something to nibble on. Hmm. 
His nibble would grind up a whole cow. If Wells comes in and spots a cop, he'll take off like a jackrabbit. Hold it, Walt. What's the matter? That guy coming across the street. Looks like Wells. Oh. Otis, get away from that door. Huh? I can't hear you, Lieutenant. A man's coming in the store. Get away from the door. He is? You want me to hide? No, you idiot. Just play it smart like you didn't know him. But get away from the door so he'll come in. Oh. Okay, Lieutenant. Leave it to me. Oh. Walt Duck. Good evening. What can Weinberg do for you? Uh, I'll have a couple of sandwiches. Hey, try the salami. It's great. Huh? Oh, yeah, thanks. Yeah, make it salami. Coleslaw? Uh, pickle beer. Nice night. Listen, Uh, idiot. Yeah, sure. Uh, He's doing fine, Walt. Relax. You live around here? Oh. No, just seeing a sick friend. (laughs) Uh, Maybe that salami ain't such a good idea if your friend's sick. You know, I had an uncle with ulcers. He couldn't touch the stuff. It's too much garlic. Ketchup? No. My friend's got a cold. Oh. Well, then I don't guess it'll hurt him, but... You know, the best thing for a cold is good mustard plaster. And now you, you, you take the Here's plaster... Here's your sandwiches, sir. Sixty cents. Sixty. Here you are. Thanks. Thanks. Hope your friend gets better. Yeah. Whew. Yeah, come on. How did I do, Lieutenant? Well, one thing is sure. He thought you were too stupid to recognize him. Can you still see him, Rick? Yeah. Yeah, he crossed the street and he's starting to walk west. I'll tell him. He knows you. Good. When you spot the place, call me here. Think I should throw a net around the neighborhood? Not till we spot the hideout. Right. Hey, Diamond. They got your girl. How are you going to get her out? They'd probably use her for a shield. That's a good point, Sergeant. Believe me, I've been thinking about it. <laughs> the sandwiches. Swell. Hey, hmm. you only got two. Oh, there was a cop in the delicatessen. A cop? Yeah, big stupid one. Listen, I, I told him I'm getting food for a sick friend, see, and he starts giving me all kinds you of sure remedies. you sure you weren't tailed? Tailed? No, who tailed me? Cop stayed in the delicatessen. Okay. Here, honey, have a sandwich. I'm not hungry. Oh, uh-huh. suit yourself. Here, Bobby. Oh, Thanks. Hey, when are you going to put in that call of this dame's butler? Right after we eat. Then we go to the park and wait for Mr. Diamond. Yeah? I'm in a drugstore across from the building that Wells went in. It's about a block away. Nifty drug. Block west on your side of the street. I'll wait inside. We'll be right down. Come on, Otis. The lieutenant hasn't spotted. Okay. Thanks for the bagel, Weinberg. That's all right, officer. Come back again when you can pay for it. Come on, Otis. Move your big feet. Okay, okay. Hey, you got any brilliant ideas how we're going to get Helen out of there in one piece? No, I got to admit I'm stuck. Why don't you get that bear trap mind of yours working and make yourself a hero? Uh, well, maybe we could start a fire in the building. It'd have to come out. Oh, swell, swell. There's nothing I'd like better than a well-done girlfriend. Well, I was trying. Yeah. Hey. Hey, wait a minute. What's the matter? Otis, remind me to kiss you on both cheeks. Hey, what are you doing? That's a firebox. I'm turning in an alarm. There. Oh, we're going to start that fire? No, but Walsh and Wells won't know there isn't one. When the trucks come and the firemen bust in the place, they'll think it's burning down around their ears. Yeah, maybe then they won't watch Helen too close, huh? Ah, that's the idea. Well, here's the nifty drugstore. Yeah. Rick, 
I've been worrying about something. Yeah, I know. How do we get Helen out? Yeah. Well, relax. Otis came up with a solution. Otis? Yeah, I turned in a fire alarm. And when the trucks get here, you can tell them what's up, and they can go in the building and make like it was on fire. Well, won't Walsh know it's a phony if he can't smell smoke? The chief can tell him it's blazing in the basement. When they hit the street, we can get enough firemen to shield Helen and then take Walsh and Wells. I'll call the precinct and have the blocks around it. We'll need lights if they make a break for it. Uh, which apartment house are they in? That one, across the street. After I call the boys, we better go over and find out which room they're in. Quietly clear the rooms on both sides in case the shooting starts before we expect it. <laughs> Garlic upsets my stomach. How about that call? Yeah, right. Well, what's your phone number, baby? It's in the book. Oh, she gonna be troubled, Bobby? <laughs> he wants your number. Now, come on, we ain't got all night. All right. Evergreen, 54308. Oh, that's better. You ought to be more careful, Bobby. Your lip's bleeding. Yeah. Hey, Walsh, what's that? Sirens. Maybe that's the cops. If somebody tailed you, you... I told you I wasn't tailed. Wait, I'll go see. That's fire trucks. They're coming down a block. I don't smell no smoke. Hey, they're pulling up in front of this building. The joint must be on fire. Let's get out of here. Uh, maybe it's the building next to us. No, they're bringing the hoses right in front of the door of this joint. I'm getting out. Sit still. Maybe it ain't a big one. We can't go busting out in the street. Well, maybe it ain't a big one. But if it is, I don't want to end up like a pound of spare ribs. <laughs> Why, you... Yeah. All right, now, come on. Hey, what's that? Yeah, what is it? Fire department, we're back here from the building. What are we going to do with the dame? Shove her in that closet. Just a minute, we'll be right with you. Hurry, Tom, there's a fire in the basement snooting a gas man. The whole place may go up any second. Did you hear that? Yeah, step on it. Okay. Hey, better step on it, down these stairs. We can find our way. Hey, there's a couple of prowl cars. Yeah. Separate. We'll meet at the other place. Okay, Walsh. That's far enough. Ah. It's the Shamus. Get him, Walsh. Don't reach for it, Walsh. I owe you something, Diamond. You all right, Rick? Yeah, Walsh. He's a worse shot than his brother. Where's Wells? He made a break for it, but he won't get through. All right, Wells. You can't get through. Drop your gun. You won't take me, copper! Well, that's that. What about Walsh? Uh, he's pretty dead. Come on, I want to find out what happened to Helen. Well, Walt and I went up to the room and found Helen in the closet. We took her downstairs and she cried a little on my shoulder. I like that. Makes me feel so protective. Walt cleaned things up and dropped Helen and me off at her place. An hour later, Helen got back to normal and we relaxed on the couch and forgot about Wells and Walsh. <sighs> How do you feel now, baby? Betty. Want to get Francis to fix some dinner for you? Oh, no, I'm not very hungry. You can have some if you want. Mm, no, no. Want to play some canasta or something? But you always said it was a bad 200 game. Yeah, it is. Well, I forgot my jacks. <laughs> Silly. Want a neck? Ooh, what you said. Come here. No. Helen. No, I'm mad. Mad? What for? Because those two thugs ruined a wonderful evening. What's the matter? Want me to go? Oh, you idiot, of course not. But I had a big surprise planned. You did? Yes. 
Believe it or not, I had two wonderful seats for South Pacific, and now it's too late to go. Oh, no. Oh, yes. Oh, well, I'm sorry, baby. I'd love to have seen it. Me too. Well, I'm not exactly Ezio Pinza, but I'll try to make it up to you. Oh, Rick, that's a wonderful idea. Well, what'll it be? Uh, some enchanted evening? Oh, really? Me, 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 me. Hmm. A some enchanted evening. You may see a stranger. You may see a stranger across a crowded room. Rick. What's the matter? I was just trying to make like pizza. But, honey, it's safer for you to make like diamond. Oh. And somehow you know. You know even then. That somewhere you'll see her again and again. Oh, you're not Pinza, but it's wonderful. Thanks. Some enchanted evening. Someone may be laughing. You may hear her laughing across a crowded room. And night after night, as strange as it seems, the sound of her laughter will sing in your dreams. Rick. Who can explain it? Who can tell you why? Ricky. Fools give you answers. Wise men never try. Oh, Rick. Oh, honey, what's the matter? I was just falling in love with myself. Come here. You never let me finish. Do you mind? Oh, well, no. And I'm sure Mr. Pinza doesn't either. just heard Richard Diamond, Private Detective, starring Dick Powell. Helen was played by Virginia Gregg, Lieutenant Levinson by Ed Begley. Also in our cast were Wilms Herbert, Paul Fries, and Larry Dobkin. Music was under the direction of Frank Worth. Richard Diamond is written by Blake Edwards and directed by William P. Rousseau. Now this is Eddie King inviting you to be with us again at the same time next week when we will again bring you Dick Powell as Richard Diamond, Private Detective. This program has come to you from Hollywood. This is NBC, the national broadcasting company. Stay tuned for Lucille Ball and My Favorite Husband next on Theater of the Mind. Time now for My Favorite Husband with Lucille Ball in the starring role of Liz. It's time for My Favorite Husband, starring Lucille Ball. Jello, everybody. Yes, it's the Gay Family Series, starring Lucille Ball with Richard Denning. Transcribed and brought to you by the Jello family of desserts. J E L L. 
And now Lucille Ball with Richard Denning as Liz and George Cooper, two people who live together and like it. As we look in on the Coopers tonight, summertime is fast approaching, and Liz has roused herself from spring fever long enough to go on a shopping spree for some beach clothes. Katie, come here a minute, will you? Yes, Mrs. Cooper, what is it? I want you to take a look at my new sundress. How do you like it? Is that it? Yes, this is what they're showing this year. Really? That's what they were hiding last year. (laughs) Oh, Katie, how do you like it? Well, it's very nice. Uh, How do you keep it up without any straps? Well, it's a new theory, Katie. It's held up by the wind from men whistling at you. (laughs) Katie, see all my new play clothes? My goodness, did you buy all those this morning? Yes, I want to look good for George. He's going to see a lot of me this summer. (laughs) He's not the only one. (laughs) I even bought one of those new French bathing suits. It's there on the bed. Well, I don't see it. Here's your slacks, pedal pushers, your beach robe, and this little green handkerchief. Well, that's funny. Oh, here it is. No wonder you couldn't see the bathing suit. It was under the handkerchief. (laughs) Are you really going to wear that? I will if George will let me. (laughs) Oh, he will. Men like women in scanty bathing suits. If the women aren't their wives. A man will admire a scanty suit on a blonde at the beach, but let his wife put on that same suit, and he says, You're not going out like that, are you? How true. Oh, I forgot. The mail came a while ago. Here it is. Thanks. Anything for me? No. Oh, I never get any. Oh, here's a letter for me. Really? Yeah, see? Occupant, 321 Bundy Drive. (laughs) I think I'll change my name to Occupant Cooper, and then I'll get as much mail as George does. And there's one there addressed to Mr. and Mrs. George Cooper. Oh, good. Where is it? I'm entitled to read every other line. Here. Oh, no. Well, what's the matter? It's from Weeping Willow Ranch. You know, that dude ranch where we spent our vacation last year. Are you going there again? Over my dead body. Oh, Katie, it's awful. One week there and you understand why the willows are weeping. (laughs) The planned fun starts at six o'clock in the morning. You bound out of bed and run into breakfast. You did that? Are you kidding? I crawled out of bed and was led into breakfast. (laughs) How was the food? Oh, not food, Katie. Chuck. Chuck. Yes, and they couldn't have thought of a better name for it. Oh, Katie, George must have written asking about reservations again this year. This is an answer saying they can take us. Oh, I don't want to go there. I want to go to the beach with the Atterbury's. Well, maybe you can talk Mr. Cooper into it. Why, Katie, I'd never try to talk George into anything. We'll discuss it calmly, examine the best features of both places, and then go to the one we think is best, the beach. (laughs) 
Well, did you like your dinner, George, little baby, honey? Yes. Yes, dear, it was fine. Are you comfortable in that chair, George? Would you like another pillow behind your back? No, thanks. Oh, it's no trouble at all. I'll, I'll just get another pillow and then... Liz, you've got so many pillows behind my back now, my head's between my knees. <laughs> oh. <laughs> well, shall I get you a pair of slippers? Yes, I'll wear them on my hands. <laughs> what? Oh, you already have your slippers on, don't you, dear? Okay, Liz, what have you done? <laughs> Nothing, dear. What are you planning to do? Nothing. Look, I know all the signals. You're fattening me up for the kill. <laughs> now, let's have it. I have nothing on my mind. Really? Absolutely. Go ahead. Go to that lousy weeping willow ranch. <gasps> oh. <laughs> well, I gather from this that we heard from the ranch. Did you open the letter? Yes, it came addressed to both of us. What did it say? I only read every other line. Mm. Come on, Liz. What did every other line say? It said, Dear Saddle Pals, In reply to your letter of, Delighted to have you dig your spurs into, Our new manager and courteous waitress. <laughs> Rates this year are $20 private cottage, or $15 if you share it, with one of our new cow ponies. <laughs> Signed, The Old Wrangler. Very clever. I suppose we're going to have our yearly debate about uh, where to spend the vacation. Okay, debate. The question is, resolved that we are not going to spend our vacation at that stinky old Weeping Willow Ranch. You take a negative. Go ahead. Madam Chairman, I were the opponent and friends. I like the stinky old Weeping Willow Ranch. I think it's one of the nicest Time's up. of all... Now for the affirmative. Now, wait a minute. Oh, let's not talk about it, George. Let's just not go. Can you suggest a better place? Yes, I'd like to go to the beach. The beach? Oh, come now. You must have heard of it. <laughs> the Atterberries are going, and I thought it would be fun if we'd go, too. Well, but there's nothing to do at the beach. Oh. Everybody covers themselves with oil and lies in the sun all day, slowly turning so they'll get done all over. It's nothing but a big sandy barbecue pit. <laughs> I suppose you never heard of swimming. Well, I have, but I didn't think you did. The closest you ever came to the water was when a dog came up to you and shook himself. <laughs> you don't even know how to swim. I'll learn. I've heard that song before. Oh, but George, your swimming suits are so cute this year, and the beach clothes are so gay and colorful. And so that's it. They got little pleats in them all around. <laughs> Liz, I'll make a bargain with you. If you learn to swim, and I mean really swim, before vacation time, we'll go to the beach. Oh, George, I love you. I love you. I love you. I love you. But if you don't, we'll go back to the Weeping Willow Ranch. Don't worry. I'll learn. I'll learn. And don't buy any beach clothes until this is all settled. George, even after I learn to swim and you agree to go to the beach, I'm not going to buy a thing. What? I mean it. Because I love you so much, I'll struggle along on just what I've got in my closet now. <laughs> Mrs. Cooper, what are you doing in your bathing suit? I'm going to take my swimming lesson. You found a teacher? Yes, Ralph Wood, the oldest boy from next door. He's the high school champion. Oh, there he is. I'll get it. 
Good morning, Mrs. Coops. <laughs> Did I get you out of the shower? No, it's all right, Mr. Wood. This is my bathing suit. You don't have to stand with your back to me. That's a bathing suit? Yes. Hmm. Well, are you all ready for your lesson? Yes, where's your son? Oh, he couldn't make it, but I've arranged for you to take a lesson from the person who taught him everything he knows. Who's that? Me. <laughs> oh, well, where should we go? Out to the club? Oh, there's no need to go way out there. I can teach you right in your living room. Really? Well, come on, let's go around through the kitchen and come in at the shallow end. <laughs> You can learn very easily if you'll just remember that swimming is merely a matter of applied physics. Oh. <laughs> you see, when a body is immersed in water, it displaces its own weight, and by means of propulsion of a given direction, the water that is displaced in front is found to be at the back. <laughs> this is known as swimming. <laughs> Isn't there a simpler way of doing it? Well, you can jump into the water and move your arms and legs. <laughs> well, that's more like it. Are you sure you can teach me to swim here? Certainly, it's applied physics. When a body is immersed in water... I know, I know. But will it work if a body is immersed in a hardwood floor? <laughs> Why not? Well, a fair question. <laughs> you learn to swim in the living room. When you get into the water, you simply apply what you've learned. It'll be the same thing, only wetter. Wetter, yeah. <laughs> now, lie down on the floor. Okay. Now, what do I do? Uh, now, first, bring the right arm over the head and forward and down. Okay. <clears throat> Fine. Now, do the same thing with the left arm. Okay. <clears throat> Ouch. What's the matter? This ocean has splinters in it. <laughs> oh, that's too bad. All right. Now, while you're moving your arms, you are kicking at the same time. All right. Yeah. Ouch! More splinters? No, hard water. <laughs> well, lift your feet a little. Now, try again. Uh, how does this look? Oh, wait a minute. What's the matter? I forgot to tell you to breathe. <laughs> That's okay. I went ahead and breathed anyway. <laughs> no, I don't mean that. In swimming, you breathe a different way than you ordinarily do. How? Through your ears? <laughs> no, no. You're supposed to breathe when your head is out of the water. You know, I'll bet I would have found that out anyway. <laughs> well, now, let's try it again and put everything together. Now. All right, here I go. <clears throat> oh, fine, fine. You're doing just fine. Yeah. Hey! Hey, look at me. I swam clear across the living room. Yes. If the current hadn't been against me, I'd have made it into the dining room. Congratulations, Mrs. Cooper. You're a wonderful pupil. You mean I know how to swim? Certainly you know how to swim. Gosh, that wasn't hard at all. What have I been afraid of all these years? Come on back tomorrow, Mr. Wood, and I'll dive off the mantelpiece. <laughs>
large baby. Give me a kiss. <laughs> mm. What's new? What What did you do today? Oh, nothing exciting. I had a manicure, learned how to swim, marketed a uh, little. Uh, 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 uh. Just a minute. Learned how to swim. Yes, isn't it wonderful, George? Now we can go to the beach this summer. Uh, do you expect me to believe you learned how to swim since this morning? Yes. Mr. Wood said I have a natural talent for it. He gave me a lesson, and I just swam all over the place. Mm. How far did you swim? Oh, about as far as from here to the dining room. By yourself? All by myself. Hey, that's great, Liz. You, you weren't even afraid, huh? Afraid? I was as calm as though I'd been swimming right here in my own living room. <laughs> no kidding. That's right. I'm proud of you. It, was the water cold out at the club? I didn't notice it. I'll get it. Okay, I'll go see if dinner's ready. Hello. Hello, Mr. Cooper. This is Benjamin Wood. Well, hello, Mr. Wood. I understand you gave Liz a swimming lesson today. Uh, that's right. How'd she do? Oh, wonderfully. I called to see if she got all the splinters out. <laughs> splinters? Yeah, she picked up a big one. <laughs> Where? Right between the piano and the divan. <laughs> Say, what do you talk... Say, where did she take this lesson anyway? In your living room. It was sort of a dry run. Uh-huh. Well, she's fine, Mr. Wood. Well, that's good. Goodbye. Goodbye. Liz! Dinner's almost ready, George, and boy, am I hungry. Mm. Splashing around in the pool must have given you an appetite. Uh, swimming is what did it. That water is exhilarating, isn't it? Swimming certainly is. You should have seen me, George. I was like a little seal. Sounds more like a little lion. <laughs> a little sea lion? No. No, just plain lion. <laughs> that was Mr. Wood on the phone, Liz. Oh. <laughs> How many splinters did you average per mile? No, I didn't get very many splinters. <laughs> uh, I'm certainly surprised at the way you deceived me, Liz. I didn't. I never said I was in the water. I asked Mr. Wood if I knew how to swim, and he said yes, and I can. There's nothing to it. All right. That's good enough for me. It is? Sure. I'll meet you out at the club tomorrow afternoon, and if you can swim the length of the pool, we'll go to the beach for our vacation. Oh, give me more time, George. I've only had one lesson. Oh, no. No, you said you knew how to swim. Well, tomorrow we'll find out. I'll meet you at the club pool at 3.30. All right, I'll be there. And I'll jump in that pool and swim if it's the last thing I do. Oh, why do I say things like that? <laughs> As we return to the Coopers, it's three o'clock in the morning and all is still. All that is except Liz. From the way she is thrashing about the bed, it looks like she's having a nightmare about swimming. Stroke. 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 <coughs> well, what's the matter? Who did that? Oh, oh, ouch! Hey, Liz. Stroke. Oh, Liz! Huh? Oh, George, save me. I'm going under. Oh, take it easy. You're, you're Help. joking. Save me. Save me. Oh, Liz, you got me around the neck. Help! 
Help! We're going down! <laughs> Fight your way to the surface. Huh? Huh? Oh, oh, George, that was an awful dream. I dreamt I was in swimming, and how'd we get down here? <laughs> we disappeared under the covers for the third time and sank slowly to the floor. <laughs> Let's swim to the surface and go back to sleep, huh? Oh, gosh, I'm afraid to. You go to sleep, George. I'll be right back. Liz, where are you going? Into the dressing room. I want to see if I have a nightgown with water wings in it. <laughs> Iris. Iris, here I am, over by the pool. Oh! soon as I could, girl. Is George here yet? No. Oh, it's no use, Iris. I'll never make it. I don't even know what I'm doing here. Chin up, girl. I brought something with me. What? Look. A pair of water wings. Oh, I thought of that, but it's no good. George would see them. They're white. My bathing suit is black. Let's put them under your bathing suit. <laughs> under my bathing suit? Yeah, then he'd never guess. Won't I look kind of lumpy? Well, let's see where we could put them. Oh, I know. You're a little swayback. What? (laughs) Now, look, I don't have time for false modesty. Swayback, yes. We'll just put the water wings under your suit in the middle of your back, like this. There. And then we'll blow them up and you'll get in the water before George gets here. He won't be able to see them. Well, it might work. I can't even see them. Well, they're not blown up yet. <laughs> oh. Yeah. How are we going to blow them up? Uh... It can only be done by a midget or are you bangy? <laughs> well, there's one idea gone. No, no, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Come with me. Where? The gas station in the parking lot. They have an air hose. <laughs> now, that might work. Come on. As long as you stay in the water, George can't tell a thing. This is the first time I've gone to a gas station to get my air checked. <laughs> Good afternoon, ladies. Can I help you? Uh, can we use your air hose? Certainly. Have a flat? (laughs) Uh, sort of. Where's the car? Car? Yeah, with a flat tire. What were you planning to do? Take the air over a mouthful at a time? (laughs) No, just let us use the air hose and thanks. Oh, yeah, go take care of that car. I'll be right back. Quick, Iris. Turn around. Let me get this hose down the back of your baby suit. Oh, it's cold. Hey, what are you doing? Go away. What are you doing? Look, just leave us alone. We're not hurting anybody. Hey, hey, look at her back. It's all swollen. This is fine, Iris. Put the hose away and... I'll get a doctor. Oh, never mind. It's too late now. Come on, Liz. The boys will never believe this. (laughs) Well, it was a 
good try, Iris. Hey, wait a minute. Oh, look now, no more bright ideas, please. We've been fools, Liz. We can get George on a technicality. How? He said you had to swim the length of the pool. Yeah? He didn't say anything about not wearing something to help you. We could have put the water wings on the outside. Now she thinks of it. <laughs> I know. Rudolph has a life jacket he bought at the surplus store. I'll go and get it. Okay, go on. And you stall George till I get back, and I'll go as fast as I can. Well, hurry, Iris. You're all that stands between me and weeping Willow Ranch. <laughs> Ready for the big swimming test? Oh, hello, George. Sorry I'm late, but Atterbury kept me talking about a big account. Oh, that's all right. You haven't seen Iris, have you? No. Well, let's get this over with. Come on, dive in. No, no, don't push me. I'll get in in a minute. Well, why in a minute? Well, uh, I'm just uh, hungry, that's why. I'd like something to eat first. I don't like to swim on an empty stomach. But if you eat something, you can't swim for an hour. Yeah. <laughs> Liz, are you stalling? Stalling? Heavens, mm. no. Well, then what are you waiting for? Now get in the pool and start swimming. No, George, don't. I'm not ready. Woohoo, Liz, girl. I'm ready. <laughs> Here you are, Liz. Oh, thanks, Iris. Hey, what's going on? You can't wear a life jacket. Can't I? Put your arms in here, Liz. There. Fasten it, will you, Iris? Uh-huh. Liz, I'm warning you, this isn't going to count. You said swim the length of the pool. You did not say how. Now, look. Here I can... go. Whee! Oh, look at her go. <laughs> what a low-down trick. <laughs> well, George, she did fill her part of the bargain. Well, I guess she did. Well, if she cares that much about going to the beach, I guess we can go. I'll teach her to swim while we're there. Hey, look at me! Look at me! I'm swimming! Okay, Liz, you win. Hey, watch this! I'm a whale! (laughs) (laughs) Would you look at that? She's floating on her back and blowing water in the air. Hey, there's nothing to this. Do we get to go to the beach, George? Okay, we'll go. Oh, boy, this jacket's wonderful. I know, I've seen them. All you do is pull that little string on the side and they inflate. (laughs) What little string? What little string? Liz, we didn't pull a string You've really been swimming (laughs) How do you like that, George? I've really been swimming right here in the deep water Deep water? Help! Help! Yes, Lucille, where do we go tonight? Tonight, Robert, we're meeting a sweet girl graduate, the valedictorian of her class. A little commencement music, please, maestro. Hello, I understand you just graduated. Yep, that's right. (laughs) Well, tell me, did you graduate cum laude? How's that again? I said, did you take any honors? No. 
Are there some missing? Oh, forget it. Forget it? Okay, I will if you will. Put her there, boy. Oh, wait a minute. What degree did you get when you graduated? A, B, Ph.D.? No, no. I got an R.A. R.A.? Yep. I said R. I said R.A. I said R-A-G-G. M-O-P-P, Ragma, 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 Ragma. Wait a minute. Now, wait a minute. Wait just a minute. Now, what degrees did you actually get? Oh, them. Uh, let's see now. I got uh, a J-E and a L-L-O. What do they stand for? What do they stand for? Oh! <laughs> well, actually, I'm an expert on jello. Let me give you a test. Oh, what? <laughs> now, what are the six delicious flavors? Oh. You're going to start with the hard one. Strawberry. Raspberry. Oh, yeah. Cherry berry, orange berry, lemon berry, lime berry. No. no. Strawberry, raspberry, cherry, orange, lemon, and lime. Right, right. Next question. What makes you think of the real ripe fruit itself? I don't know. Jello does. It does? Yes, didn't they teach you that the flavor is locked in and can't get out till your first delicious spoonful? This is the first time I heard of it. Are you sure? Of course. Didn't they tell you to look for the big red letters on the box? No. They didn't tell me. Hey, where are you going? I'm going back to school. Good night, Bob. You have been listening to My Favorite Husband, starring Lucille Ball with Richard Denning, and based on characters created by Isabel Scott Rorick. Tonight's transcribed program was produced and directed by Jess Oppenheimer, who wrote the script with Madeline Pugh and Bob Carroll, Jr. Original music was composed by Marlon Skiles and conducted by Wilbur Hatch. The part of Katie, the maid, was played by Ruth Parrott. Watch for Lucille Ball in Fancy Pants with Bob Hope. Be sure to listen to Lucille Ball in My Favorite Husband again next week. Presented by... J-E-L-L-O The big red letters stand for the Jell-O family. Oh, the big red letters stand for the Jell-O family. That's Jell-O. Yum, yum, yum. Jell-O puddings. Yum, yum, yum. Jell-O tap. The yolk of pudding. Yes, sirree. Bob Lamont speaking. This is CBS, where you meet Lucille Ball and my favorite husband every Sunday night, the Columbia Broadcasting System. Thank you for listening. Tomorrow night, it's Nick Carter, followed by Blondie and Dagwood. Thanks to Paul Stringer and Joel Schoenwell for technical support. The executive producer for Theater of the Mind is Moses Neimer. I'm Frank Proctor. Have a great night.
This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.